everybody, it's Libby here. Uh, I'm just here to tell you that today is the day we are launching our merch line. A few months ago, I had a listener make me a shirt that was a slogan we talk about on the show, and I had quite a few people reach out to me telling me they wanted one. So we took that into consideration, and here we are today. The shirt she made will be available along with four or five other designs that we've come up with. If you're interested, you can go to www.thefullcuppodcast.com and just keep in mind that we are making these shirts as they are ordered. So we're going to try to keep the turnaround time to under 10 days for shipping. And yeah, enough about that. We are so glad you're here today listening. Wishing you a happy Thanksgiving week. I think it's going to be a good week. I love Thanksgiving. Time to be thankful. Remember the things we're thankful for, which we also know is a great way to change those neural pathways and bring more happiness and joy in our lives is through gratitude. So what an awesome week where we get to celebrate being thankful. Anyway, thank you for being here today. Here is episode 34 of The Full Cup. Your sons and your daughters are beyond your command. Your old old road is rapidly aging. Please get out of the new one if you can't lend a hand for the times they, they are, are changing. changing. Classic. Yep. That was that yeah. was probably my favorite one in my youth, but Okay, enough about Bob. Today we are talking about the boxes. So since I was a little girl, I always remember you having this huge stack of boxes in your office because yeah. I used to clean your office and yeah. I didn't ever know what the boxes were. But people then would give you boxes. You had these really cool boxes that different people would give you. Oh, do you have them here? Well, I have a couple if I can pull them out. Uh, this one right here is one of my favorites. Oh, it's got somebody, a mallard on it. Somebody gave me that because they know I'm Green a Green wooden tough. box with a mallard. Uh, there's, here's another one somebody gave me. Oh, that's pretty. Uh, yeah, it's like just, hand-painted. People would bring me boxes, but but I saw would give everybody in the office boxes, too, uh, because that's what we talked yeah, about. Yeah, you did. You it's, would give them out. So, yeah, what does the box represent? What's it about? Well, Libby, it's, it's very similar to the cup. It's just maybe added to that a little bit. So if, if you're okay, I'm going to go ahead and start with that. And I'm going to use you to, to help teach this, if that's okay. All yep. right. Uh, do you see what I have in my hand here? A box. This is a box. It's a nice little cedar box. You smell it. You smell the cedar, and it's a nice box. But what this box is, this is my box of happiness. All of my feelings are in this box. Every feeling I've ever had, sadness, joy, everything. You're a wonderful, beautiful daughter, kind to me, very loving, a wonderful daughter you've been. And as nice as you are, would you hold this box for me for a minute? Oh, that's wonderful. Oh. I feel so much better now. Let me just say this. You're doing a fine job with my box of happiness, but I'm not feeling real happy today. So would you carry it a little bit higher for me? Okay. And now take me on a little ride, kind of go up and, oh, I feel so much better. You're doing such a good job taking care of my happiness. And by the way, as long as you're carrying your dad's box of happiness, that's very kind of you here. 
there's your husband's. You got to carry his box of happiness, okay? And let's see, uh, here's here's Nash, okay? You got to carry his box of happiness. Oh, and sweet little Olive, you've got to carry Ollie's box of happiness. And here's Eddie's box of happiness. And here's little Scout, you got to carry his box of happiness, okay? And here's your mom's box of happiness. You got to make your mom happy constantly. Don't you drop your mom's. And you here, here's your neighbors. You got to take care of this. Oh, wait, wait. I got your father-in-law and mother-in-law in here. You got to carry that their box of happiness whoops they're they're kind of damaged so you might have to fix their boxes and don't you drop any of them oh this is so wonderful you're such a good woman listen as if you're a decent person you will carry this whole stack of boxes carry all of those and that's your job your job is to make everybody in the world happy and then you'll have a wonderful job and we'll all look to you to make us happy mm-hmm. how are you feeling right now libby um well i have felt I have felt that that is my job many times in my life. But right have... now I'm feeling like I don't like any of you, any of these people. Sometimes that happens when we get loaded with boxes, doesn't it? Yeah. Now, let me ask you what you've learned growing up. Who should be in... Should, should, oh, 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 I can't believe you. Oh, Look at these people. <laughs> what kind of a person are you? If you're a decent person, you can't carry... And you drop mine? I can't believe you dropped mine. Where's mine? Mine's buried. It's lost. What have you done, Libby? Where's my box of happiness? Come on. Pick it up for me. It's on the floor there. You need to pick it up for me. I can't believe you dropped mine. I'm sorry. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're so kind. You're picking up my box of happiness for me. But once again, I say to you, who has to, who has to carry your dad's box of happiness? You have to. He has to. Well, are you going to keep it or are you going to hand it to me then? I'll give it back to you. Sorry, I'm not going to carry that. Okay. That's wonderful. I do have to. But as sweet as you are, and you do know that our greatest joy, and this is true, this comes from our Lord, the greatest joy we have is helping people with their box of happiness. So will you help me? Oh, no, you're so sweet. I'm just barely So sweet. You. She's got a finger <laughs> under the box. Now, she's got one finger under it, helping. That's very nice. But it's such a nice box. I'll just kind of let go of it. And she catches it so it doesn't hit the floor. Because So this is good. I played this pretty well. I will just say, I can't believe you dropped mine. And you caught it. And you'll take care of it. And now who's carrying my box of happiness for I, I'm carrying it again. Have you ever offered to help people with their box of happiness? And a day later or a week later, you're finding that you got her boxes and her kids' boxes and everybody's neighbor's boxes, and you're carrying them all? Mm-hmm. Who should be carrying them? They should be carrying their own. All of them should learn to carry their own box? Yeah. But our greatest joy comes in helping. Is that right? Yeah. So I'd like you to tell me again. Dad, you have to carry your own box of happiness. Dad, you have to carry your own box of happiness. But because you love me. But because I love you, I will put a finger under here and help you. And maybe even two fingers. Uh, Go ahead, put three. Okay. Okay. Now, what happens again, you're so wonderful. You're such a wonderful daughter. You've been so good to me. I'm getting old now. I'm an old man. I've had a stroke. You're so wonderful here. Uh... Now, you carry it for me. You carry (laughs) She won't let the stupid thing fall to the floor. You're supposed to let it fall to the floor. Okay. (laughs) 
I just right. hold it in okay. that with a lot of anger. She's got three figures out of okay. the box. She okay. knows her dad's had some struggles. He's had a stroke. Okay. He's old. He's a, you're going to let it go. And I'm going to let Oh, no. It dropped in the fucking. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait. Oh, she's just picking it up, too. Oh, wait. Go ahead. Go ahead. Here. Here. Pick it up for me. That's your job. Come on. Get over there and pick it up for me. Dad. <coughs> carry your own box. But I can't get it. I can't uh, pick it up. I, I'll I'm hand it stroke. to you. I'm in trouble. <laughs> Tell me, I'll help you, Dad. I'll help you, Dad. I'll kick it over I'll to you. I'll kick it over to you. There I you may go. even bend over and put a finger in there it. There you go. I'll hand it back to but you. But you're not carrying it for me. Tell me. I'm not carrying it for you. But my greatest joy comes in assisting you. But my greatest joy comes in Are assisting. you going to carry this box for me or no, not? No, no. I'm not carrying it. I'm going to help you. I have to have boundaries or I'm going to resent you and hate your guts. Whoa, so, whoa, whoa, wait. So you're actually learning to put up boundaries, but will you still help? Yes. I'll Who help. decides how much you help? I decide. Not me. I'm your you're dad. You're going to try to decide. Well, the I'm neighbors can come stop. over and see the difficulties they've had. You have to run over there and rescue them and carry their boxes for them, don't you? No, no. But will you assist them? I will. And once we understand the artistry of helping people under boxes, we come to realize we don't go home overloaded. This was extremely difficult for me when I first started practice 46 years ago. I was worried, I wanna help people so much, I'd put fingers under their box, and if they drop them, I'd go, oh no, I'm not doing my job, I'm a therapist, I should carry more of their boxes. And some days I would go home just drained and tired and miserable, thinking, what kind of a person am I? I'm not carrying their boxes, I've gotta carry their boxes. But about the same time, I was learning about emotional independence mm -hmm. and agency. And I realized I can still help. For years, I was very angry at God because I needed him to carry the box for me. And when he didn't carry it, I felt he didn't carry me. I said, there is no God. He won't carry the box for me. It wasn't for years after going through a lot of pain I realized he said, Craig, I've already got 10 or 20 fingers under your box, dude, but I'm not carrying it for you because if I carry it for you, you won't learn jack. Mm -hmm. So I'm here. I'll help you. I'll guide you. I'll give you information. But if I rescue you on every little thing, you won't grow at all, Craig. Is that the same thing when I work with my patients? If I carry it for them, will they learn it? Now let's talk about parents. Yeah, that was the first thing I thought of. When you dropped the box, you're I immediately thought of, that's like a parent kicking their child out of their house. It's impossible to do. <laughs> but you can help them. But like, like that is just, it's so, I can just picture being a parent of like a 20-year-old that you're trying to get to leave your house, but you love them and you want to help them and you want to rescue them and you just want to make their life okay. Oh, but I have to give you the boot. How? Uh, okay. Not always. What you just said was, <laughs> remember, they're young. The art of parenting is how many fingers do you put under the box? Yes. And I wish I was a better artist like he is because he's the greatest artist. He knows exactly how many fingers to put under my box. I was crushed almost. Then he was there. Then I came to realize he's been there the whole time. He's just been walking with me. Let's go to your children. Are you just going to throw them out? Or are you going to say to him, let me see if I can help you. Maybe I'll drive with you to find an apartment. 
Maybe I'll even help you with your first down payment on your apartment. You know, if it's $600, maybe I'll loan you $150. Let's see how you do. And maybe I'll help you for a month or two. No, 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 no. I'm not paying it for you. (laughs) And this is only, there's only going to be a few fingers under the box for a while. And I will always love you. I'll never stop loving you. But if I carry your box for you, so let's let's go here for a minute. Um, this was probably forty years ago. A couple came to see me, and they had four children. The wife came in initially, then she dragged her husband in, and I told them about carrying the boxes. And the husband was sitting there, and I took all these boxes out of the bag, and I said, here's your wives, and here's your four kids, and here's your parents, and here's your work, and here's all of these people. you got to make your boss happy. you got to make your wife happy. you got to make it. He's sitting there, and he starts dropping them, and he started to tear up. He says, I don't want to drop my, my wife's boxes. I don't want to. Finally, he said, you've got to carry your own box. And she said, no, that's your job. And then she said, no, i got to carry mine. you got to carry yours, but we can assist each other. So what they did, they bought all the boxes from me from the office, these little wooden boxes that I used, and they took them home and they had a, a family home evening. And they sat around the family and they took the eight-year-old and say, let's give Junior mom's box of happiness, his sister's box of happiness, his friend's box of happiness. And the kids standing there looking scared like I can't carry everybody's boxes. And the little eight-year-old said, I'll help them. And they both said, we'll help you. But you're needing to learn. When you're young, we may put 10 fingers under your box. But as you grow up, we might restrict it down to two fingers. How many people do I see in my office? The parents came in. This was a couple years ago. She said I could use her story. She's 78 years of age. She's got a 52-year-old son and grandson living in her home. Guess who's carrying the 52-year-old and the 18-year-old stuff? Who's carrying the boxes? Grandma. Grandma, the 78-year-old. And feeling like, and they're smoking dope in the basement. They've destroyed the house. They're breaking things up. And she came up in absolute tears. What do I do? I said, well, I, I, she says, I love them. I don't want to hurt them. Yeah. Sometimes it's pretty tough to decide how many fingers you're going to put in the box. Sometimes it takes the boot and just say, I will assist maybe this much from afar. I'll pray for you, but I'm not rescuing anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, she eventually said to them, get out. About six months later, the son came back and he apologized. He says, I know that I've taken advantage of this. The 18-year-old uh, got his own apartment. <laughs> and initially was doing better than his 52-year-old father because he knew everyone has to carry their own box. Mm-hmm. But once again, too often we get into, I got to carry mine, you got to carry yours. I did an office a corporate thing one time and they were all uh, managers uh, there and they said, well, each person has to carry their box. Okay. So, and I, when I do the corporations, I give everybody 40 people, I give them all a box. Mm -hmm. This is what they get the box. The next couple of weeks, everybody's saying, no, I'm not carrying your box. Well, I'm not carrying your box. I'm not carrying your box. The manager called me and said, Something's wrong. I said, what? Nobody will help each other. Oh, no. We want our money back. (laughs) Because they learned that we don't have to carry everybody's boxes. We're having trouble enough carrying our own. I said, wait, just as important, if not more important, is assisting each other, but not doing it for them. I said this to a lady one day. She said, well, she was one of the managers in this group. She says, when this lady can't get the job done, 
and I see she's failure, I can't fire her. I just do the job for her. Mm. And I look her and say, how's that working for the corporation? Yeah. Do you think you might want to sit down with her and walk her through it? I've walked her through it 10 times. Well, maybe you want to give her five more times walking through it. But if you keep doing it for her, as she learns she doesn't have to do jack, she just waits around until you do it. And how long have you been doing it for? About four years. <laughs> Oh my God. And how do you feel about it? I don't like her very much. Are you eating those vegetables you don't want to eat? What happens when you start eating vegetables again you don't want to eat? You ate the vegetables, you ate the person giving the vegetable, and you hate yourself for not standing on your own two feet. So what he did is he did what she did is she told this this other person, we will assist you. And if not, we're gonna to have to let you go. We can let people go if they're not willing to carry their <laughs> box. Can we let children go if they're not willing to let carry their box? Not yeah. at four, not at 10. I think 10 was a little young. <laughs> yeah. But eventually we realized we got to carry our own box. But our greatest joy, I, I can't emphasize enough, it's just as important. Please help others. About 10 years ago, I don't know, I'm terrible with time. Maybe it was 15 years ago. I've done maybe it was last week. Yeah, maybe last week. Uh, a, a fellow had me come to his church and talk to uh, this entire congregation. And uh, I had the leader of the women uh, come up front and stand at the pulpit. And then I had everybody in the congregation bring up a hymn book representing the hymn book was the box of happiness for the family. Mm-hmm. And they took him up to the pulpit while she's standing by me at the pulpit and handed him to her. Could she carry all those hymn books? No. And when she couldn't, she dropped them. Mm-hmm. And she started to cry. But I want to do a good job. I want to help them. The fellow, the leadership behind her said, let them drop. Because she had them stacked up, probably 20 mm-hmm. books, trying to carry them. Finally, they started dropping. I yelled at her. I can't believe you dropped mine. She was in tears. I probably pushed her a little bit far, but she was crying. Finally, the other leadership stood up behind her and said, well, I'll help her. And then she said, she actually said in the pulpit, I'll do all I can to assist. But every person here has to learn to carry their own box. Mm -hmm. We can guide them. We can help them. We can get on our knees, ask the Lord. But everyone did it. And she handed it out, had them come back up and hand everybody in. And she sat down saying, it's not throwing them away. It's not saying, I hate your guts. I'm never for carrying the boxes. When you become an artist, how many fingers to put under this kid of your children? How many put under this? All of a sudden, life is not difficult because you know you have the right and the responsibility to carry those boxes if you want. Yeah, I think that that's kind of one of the questions I get asked the most is how do you know when, or how do you know how many fingers or how many people want an exact answer? And I don't always respond because I don't know what to say. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, that's, that's the trick of life is figuring that out. Um, A lot of people say, I don't want to hurt my child. So I don't want to let them hurt. So I will, I would, I've had people say this to me, if I make an error, I would like to make an error in doing too much for them, yet doing not enough. And I look at things just the opposite. Yeah. I learned so much more from the difficulties that I went through. Well, I mean, I, I think here's an example of 
something where I, you in my life of um, assisting. So we were homeless. We had moved, we had lost our home in the, um, what do we call that? The recession, oh, the yeah. 2009 or whatever yeah, yeah. year that was. Um, we moved to California. We moved to pro, we moved like six times in a year. And then we ended up at your house and I think we were unemployed even. And you were like, okay, well, rent's going to be this much because I have to pay rent. Like this is reality life. And it was cheap. It was cheap rent. Where? At your house. Yes. You came to my house with my children and I'm in poverty and my dad tells me he has to pay rent anyway. Yeah. Oh, what a hard ass dad. Yes, seriously. (laughs) And in the beginning, I'm just like, okay, yeah, we'll come up. I mean, it was, it wasn't very much money, but it was still something. And then, um, (laughs) when, so we probably lived there for six months, for sure the hardest six months of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was wonderful having you there. But I think mom, Me two and- women being in the kitchen at the same time is <laughs> different. I think it was just hard because I was depressed already. Like my yeah. life, I found out I was pregnant. We didn't have a job. We yeah. like I was a pretty independent person. And so we didn't have a car. I mean, you let me drive that old Mercedes forever classic until one day you said you can't drive it anymore and i was like what my dad making me pay rent and taking the car away like i know i'm 25 years old or 30 probably um but amazing things happened like the day you told me i couldn't drive that car i went to the car lot i found an old volkswagen we already had a loan on our car it was like a payment of like $200 a month. And we bought this Volkswagen and it increased our payment $6 a month to have a car. And we would have just relied on you forever if we could have, but you had to set that boundary and tell us oh, not to. Oh, your dad's such a hard ass. No, but it was great. <laughs> and then the other blessing that doesn't always happen, but when we moved out, you had kept all that rent money in a stash and you were like, Sorry, it was a really hard time of life, and you just gave us that stack of cash and told us good luck. So you made me responsible, but you also were giving just in your own way. And yeah, it was it it was a good lesson, even though I was a little bitter, you know. So good job. Well, let me let me just say to you, <laughs> I'm sitting here now in a I don't know seven hundred thousand dollar home that you're redoing. <laughs> I see cupboards, floors, you've done, of, of all my children, they, they're all hard workers, but you have been working 24 hours a day, rebuilding this home and doing it. Now, where in the world did you get that kind of gumption, that kind of strength that drives you to do stuff? Uh, m- Mom and I at night, when we pray, we say, look at Libby and Danny, look what they've done to that house. Look what they're doing, cabinets, floors. Every room, it's just unbelievable how much they work. Hmm, I'm wondering where you got that. Now, this is my editorial to you, and nobody has to subscribe to this, but I talked about this uh, just two weeks ago. People were talking about the difficulties we've had, the COVID, how many people have died, uh, 
We've had, we in Utah have not seen blue sky for months because of the fires in California have kept our sky gray for months in Utah. We've had fires, storms, earthquakes. People have died. We had a suicide. Horrible, horrible things are happening. And when somebody said, how do we deal with this? They were talking about God and different things like that. And 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 I just said, nobody was saying anything. So I this just- This is in church. Yeah. And I just said to them, uh, I, I hope I don't sound like I'm too harsh when I said, when I was young, a few weeks ago, I said, okay, maybe it's oh. 60 or 70 years ha, ago. Ha, ha. <laughs> okay, it's a few years ago. <laughs> I would pray for everything, and I would get my prayers answered. Then I hit adolescence, and I would pray for things that happened, and I didn't get rescued. And I prayed a lot that my mother would live and that my grandmother would live. No, like she died, she died, she died. Okay, then I'll pray for this. And finally, I didn't seem to be getting any answers. I said, there is no God. I've left him. So I said, no, you can pray all day long. It's not going to happen. Now that I'm well into my 70s, I said this. I said, when I hear about all of the difficulties that people go through, forgive me, I, I, I giggle. Now, I will cry with them. I don't want them to think I'm laughing at them. But I giggle because I absolutely believe that all of the hell that I've been through, every difficulty, parent dying, being thrown out of the house, those 13 children that were beat to death under the age of four, all of those horrible things that I dealt with, those eight years of child protection, those other things, the struggles I've watched my children go through, my own struggles, the struggles I see in my office, People come in every day with horrible pain, and inevitably, what do we do? How do we fix it? We turn all the horror to incredible wisdom. And I said, all of the difficulties that I've been through, two things I absolutely promise. One, I've been learned incredible things from these difficulties. And two, I'm closer to Jesus Christ than I've ever been in my life. And I never thought I could be this close to him. Those two things, with all of the difficulties, we learn amazing things. And it's brought me closer to him than I could ever be or ever thought I would be. Yeah. If, but you're fortunate in that you chose, here, you need a tissue. Thanks. You, uh, you made a shift from not believing in God to how did that shift happen? Was that a slow progression? Did one, did you just have experiences where you were like, oh, maybe that was God? There's been so many shifts, uh, 22 years drinking and realizing that wasn't good for me. That was pretty stupid. Uh, I think I told the story about, uh, I assured that my children would have a father that would rescue them. So my son would get in trouble and kindergarten. I think I talked about this. Maybe I didn't. I don't know. Probably. (laughs) And I would run down to the school and say, don't you talk to my son that way. I'll take care of this. And I'd rescue him because I didn't want him to have to hurt. First grade, I'll rescue him. Third grade, I'll rescue him. And finally, I realized, well, I'll ask you, if you keep rescuing your kids at every turn, is that good for him? No. Yeah. Pretty. It's sometimes tougher to stand by them. You don't abandon them. You love them. So I drove down. I said, you got to go deal with the principal and the teacher yourself. You're not coming in with me? 
I said, no. He walked up to the door. He turned around. He had tears in his eyes. I said, no, get in there. And I sat in the truck. And you're, and as you're experiencing this, you're thinking, oh, maybe God has done this with me. Absolutely. That's when the eyes opened. Because when I finally realized he came out and he said, you okay? He had tears and he said, yeah, they got mad, but I just have to stay after school and clean the chalkboards and empty the garbage for the next week or two. And I said, okay. All right. I gave him a hug, said, you know, I'll always love you. And that's when I realized, oh my heck, he's the same as me. He just didn't get out of the truck. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's been there always. And well, I ask people this every day. Why are you? Well, I ask you, why are you alive? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, well, decide. Give me your decision. Oh. What did you learn? What did you learn from your religious background? What did you learn from the psychological stuff? Why are we alive on this earth? Uh, to learn oh, and progress. What? 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 Learn, learn stuff. Uh huh. Okay. Do you learn stuff if you sat at the beach and somebody had a million dollars and you didn't have to do anything? You, you might learn that it's nice to have a million dollars, but losing your home first time, going to California, out of work, coming here, living in the basement of our house and having to pay dad rent. Whoa. And look at this incredible home. You've, you've, you've done these incredible things, all of this stuff. And when we start to understand that, we start to understand our greatest joy comes in assisting people with their boxes. But if we rescue them and do it all for them. So like I say, some people say, oh, I don't want to make the mistake of not doing enough. And I say, well, I go the opposite end. I'd rather make the mistake that maybe they're, it's a little rough on the end because that might bring them greater growth. They might be angry with me if I don't help them. But what, what do we do in therapy? Turn. We're changing. Turn our, our shit to wisdom. Turn our crap to wisdom. <laughs> we're going to clean it up. Okay. <laughs> That's what we do. Uh, I got some more things to talk about, though. Let's see. Um, I got a call and a corporation asked me to go out to in the east. Uh, they're out of Germany, but they have a, a corporation in New York City. So they had me come out and give a talk years ago. And uh, I gave everybody in the, in the room the box of happiness. Okay. okay. These are people who are, who are uh, laborers and they make, this was years ago, they were making probably $10, $15 an hour. But on the front row of the workshop were all of the salespeople, the businessmen, the vice presidents, whatever. And they were all making minimum of $200,000 a year. Oh, okay. that's nice. Okay. So I handed everybody a box. And uh, I had some really nice boxes. Well, nice. They were $30 instead of $5 boxes. And I handed them out. And I walked up to this this beautiful young woman uh, who's a saleswoman. And, and, and I took her box and ripped it out of her hand. She said, give me your box of happiness. And she looked at me and she just stared at me. And I took her box and I threw it to the floor and stomped on it. And it broke into probably 15 pieces. And she burst into tears. She said, <laughs> and started crying. She had been listening to the lecture for an hour. Um, and then I said, I turned to the crowd and said, who has to pick this up? And everyone agreed. Well, she has to. That's right. She does. And a guy laborer says, makes me cry. He says, can we help her? I said, I don't know. Can you? All 42 people got up, walked up to the front, picking up little pieces of the broken box, bringing it to her, saying, I'm sorry. 
I'll help. We'll glue it together. We'll do it. And she's sitting in the chair as everybody in the room. The president of the corporation told me afterwards, says, that's the greatest lecture I've ever been to in my life. I said, why? He says, it brought the laborers and the, mil- the, you know, the, the rich people together like never before in our office. They were all willing to help. Now, I didn't find this out until later. They took me to dinner. They took me to a fine dinner and said, oh, well, thank you for doing this. I found out that this woman who had been dating, she was about 40, and she'd been married before, had a couple of kids in her 20s and 30s. She was done a very hard worker, very effective in the work she'd done. But her boyfriend for the past eight years, for the last two years, has been engaged. And the night before, he broke up with her. <laughs> Oh and I'm gosh. ripping her box of happiness <laughs> and stopping on it in front of everybody. And she's just crying. Oh, but it was wonderful. It was nice she came you. up and hugged me that night and said, thank you, thank you, because these people helped. And they were all just so kind to each everybody because they were learning to carry everybody's boxes of happiness. Yeah. Uh, I, I, when, when we finally understand this, our greatest joy really does come in helping people. But she is right. She has to fix all of that, but people can help her. And having 42 people in that workshop, helping her, getting up, not a, not there were, nobody sat there. They all got up and they helped her. This, this was another thing back east, and uh, I had maybe 25 people bring their boxes of happiness and hand it to the boss. He's, he's the corporate president, the CEO, and he owns the company. He's done very well. He's probably 65, 70 years of age. And uh, everyone loaded his box. And then they started, they joined it. They started cackling, hey, boss, I can't believe you're not taking care of my box happiness. You need to pay me more. You need to take better care of me. You need." And he's standing up there and he tears up. And his wife's sitting there and says, throw them to the ground. Tell them to carry their own. <laughs> <laughs> he says, I, they're, my bo- they're my employees. They keep my business alive. We've, done, we've been very successful. I don't want to do this. What, what can I do? What can I do? And I said, well, you can assist them. But you have to hand them all their boxes back. You can stomp on them, or you can go to each one of them and say, look, I'll help you, but you have to carry this. I'll do what I can. And he walked around and took a few minutes, hand every his box, and then stood up there with tears in his eyes and said, I'll help you all. I, I want to help you. And all of them who were in agreement because they played the cat call said, we get you, boss. Thank you for helping us. That's all we need to know is that you're there helping us. Helping people carry their box, but the reality is still the principle of the cup. Who has to fill your cup, Libby? I do. Who has to fill my cup? You do. Okay, now one more. Um, hand me that box right there. The you got the cup. other. You got the other piece to it. Uh, somewhere. I don't want to break any more. So, good enough. We'll use one of these. That's all right. We'll find it. Okay. Listen. Uh, this is your box of happiness. Okay. So who has to carry it? Me. Good. Okay. So you'll carry your box of happiness. Uh Uh-huh. Can I help you? Please. Okay. I'll help you. He took my box. I ripped it out of her hands. Let me do this and this and this and this to make you happy. You're not happy. Well, I'll do this and this and this and this to make you happy. Yeah. Do you think that might form a dependency on me to me to make you happy? Uh Uh-huh. Go ahead. It's whose box of happiness? Mine. It is your box of happiness. So who should be in charge of it? Me. Have you ever had anybody, a friend who you're trying to help and they're trying to help you and they snatch it out of your hands? 
it might feel good for a moment. How are you feeling right now? Sitting there, feeling good because I'm carrying your box so well and doing such a good job. Am I? Are yeah, you? You're doing a good job. Okay. So who has to carry it? Me. Okay. Take it. Okay. Oh, you oh wait. I'm not letting go <laughs> of it because I get my greatest joy in being a box carrier. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. I'm a box carrier. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. I'm a box carrier. And I feel good <laughs> because I'm carrying everybody's box. And that's how I get my sense of value that I'm a great box carrier and I'll carry everybody's box. Let me carry your box for you. Okay. Who's got to carry it? I do. Okay. okay. Oh wait, you're now you're fighting for it. You might have to fight me to get it back. No, I'm not going to let you have it. I'll let me take care of your box. Sausage for you. fingers, give me the box. <laughs> you got to carry my box. I've got to carry your box. Don't, because you're making me feel like I'm a terrible parent or a terrible person or a terrible boss or a terrible person. Because you're not letting me carry your box of happiness for you. Well, I have to carry, carry it. Carry your own. Here, give me this one, and I, and I got one for you. Oh, here we go. She you finally ripped yours. it off. Okay, you keep yours. But you can still do this. Thank you for assisting me. Thank you for assisting me. I may ask you to help me in the future. Take me to Hawaii. That yeah. would be great. <laughs> but I'm not carrying it. I don't expect you to carry it. I don't expect you to carry Thanks it. Thanks for Thanks helping. Thanks for me. helping, though. So have you ever been helping somebody or somebody helping you? And now you realize, I don't have any, I, I have no value. I, uh, and some people fall into that and say, well, my daddy will just carry my box forever. Hmm. And then daddy dies and they come in my, what do I do? Has they ever learned to carry their own box? Yeah. I'm working with a couple of people right now. Same thing. They work for their, their father and daddy's carried the box forever. And now daddy can't carry the box anymore and they're falling apart. Have they ever learned to run the business? No. Has daddy always carried the box? Yes. They're falling apart. They want to kill themselves because the business is falling and dying. And everything. what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Because did they ever learn to carry their own box? They even tried to, but mommy and daddy said, no, 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 no. This is a real fine tune, but what again, what's the principle we're talking about here? Uh, your feelings and carrying your own. And free agency once free again agency. and again and again. Yeah. I, I ha- sorry. I just sorry. think of um, just like in a marriage, so... When I'm not working, or even when I am working, I haven't worked for the last year, like, full time. But um, Look at this house. Yeah, I've been I, working on I the house. I come up the house. I see this person wandering through this house with a mask, a white suit, paint all over her shoes, everything. And I said, who is this? It's you. Yeah. Walking okay, I've with been working on gun. the house. <laughs> but the point, the point I'm trying to make is that um, when my husband goes to work... He really likes things clean. He likes a clean home. So, and I assume there are many marriages that are like this, um, where mom, if you're a mom and you're married and you stay home, you take care of the kids, you cook and you clean. That's, that can be your role. I'm sure a lot of those roles are shared, but for me and my marriage, when I'm not working, I like to do those things. I like to try to keep the house clean and cook food well let i haven't me, cooked in a me, long time let, but let me bow to you okay. Oh, okay so the thing i'm saying is when i don't clean the house and my husband comes home and i can just i'll be like in my room watching tv heaven forbid i'm laying down watching tv and haven't cleaned the house and i just hear doors slamming and the dishwasher being emptied like the loudest 
forks going in the drawer you've ever heard because he's so bugged that he's emptying the dishwasher. And so, so then I, you know, that can be me being like, oh, I should have done the dishes. I need to help make him happy. He's been working all day and stressed out and he comes home to a messy house. Like that's not fair. But sometimes he comes home to a spotless house and he's had a bad day at work and he's ornery and I'm like searching for what can I do? The house is clean. There's food here. Why are you ornery? I'm in charge of you and your happiness. So, so that is also a balancing act in marriage where sometimes I'm like, screw you. I'm not cleaning the house at all. I'm not in charge of your feelings. If you're going to be bugged that the house is a mess, that's your problem. If you want to empty the dishwasher angrily, good, do it. Sure. It doesn't have to be done. Nobody has to do it. It can be dirty. Deal with it. But when I do assist and help and we work together, it definitely is better and brings peace in the home. But um, it's a tricky balance, again, of like me feeling like I need to get this done so he's happy. But then also being like, actually, he gets to decide if he's happy or not. And if I get it done, great, that will help. And if I don't, great, that's okay too, you know? So anyway. Well, you said something, what you call it, and it is the balance, but it's a balance in everything. There's a yin and yang in everything. We're supposed to balance red and white. You can have red as long as you're led by the white. You know, this is happens in everything. So you can say, well, screw you. Okay. I'm going to go this way. He's pissed. He's on me. I'm not going to do anything. Or I'll do everything. I'll do everything. I'll do everything. I'll do everything. When the reality is what we talked about, I hope you put a couple of fingers under his box helping. And I think that's, a wonderful thing that people can trade that off. He works, he's making money, he's doing all these kinds of things. You understand he likes a clean house. Okay, clean the house and say, I'll do my part. He does his part. It's the balancing thing. What we get into is the pissing match where you got to do this and you got to do this. Well, if you're doing this, then I'm going to do this. I'm doing all this all day and you're not doing jack. Da, 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 yeah. da, da. And that's why you, what you just said, I think is wonderful. When you start to appreciate that each person is doing their part, there's really only two times when I ever tell people you need to get a divorce. Abuse. You know, I, I don't want to see any more dead people. I, I had all those kids beat or killed to death when I was doing those child protections. So I say, if there's that kind of abuse, get out of it. Don't, if it's a one-time shot, maybe even a couple of times, if you can get it fixed, great. But if it continues, get the hell out as fast as you can. Move, leave. No one should ever have to live in an abusive situation. So get out of it. And people say to me, when do you get it? Get out but that's up to you. The other is when one or the other is either unwilling, incapable, or refusing to negotiate and do their share. To me, marriage is the PhD of life. You're going to learn amazing things being married to that wonderful jerky husband of yours. And he's, he's going to learn, he's going to learn amazing miracle things from you and all the crap you put him through. Okay. And when you can work that out, look what it, what it brings. Look at the insights, the agency, the love, the, the sweetness, all of the children, the uh, intimacy, all of these incredible things that marriage has for you. If both are engaging, you're getting your PhD in life. But if the one says, hey, you, we're in a PhD uh, getting our doctorate, uh, but I don't have to go to school. He, she goes to school. She writes my paper. She does anything. I sit home and watch video games. <laughs> <laughs> which I hear, <laughs> or he's been lying for four years. He never went to school. He's been lying through the whole time. Ah, that's happened numerous times. Yeah, okay. 
both people need to be engaging and it's okay to crack them upside the head and say, let's negotiate this. I'll do this part. You do this part. Okay. Okay. Um, let Fill me see boxes. if I can find, I like, that was great. Thank okay. you, dad. Um, we have a question from someone who has a family owned business that they want the wife wants out of the husband doesn't really give her answers, says he's going to get out of it. And then he isn't, and then he is, and then he isn't straining the family. She feels hopeless. She doesn't know where her future is. Well, my response to what you said is a couple of things. First of all, in every marriage, the husband will poke the wife in every anchor of her soul. And the wife will poke the husband in every anchor of his soul. Now let's go to course. Which remember the dog that walks in a circle before he plops down? Why does he do that? Uh, just like... It's a core issue. Genetics, yeah. <laughs> yeah. His ancestors that lived in the forest 4,000 years ago before he'd lay down in the... He'd walk in the grass or in the weed stickers. Walk, walk, walk before he'd lay down. Okay, it's a core issue. Well, human beings have core issues. Guess what men's probably number one core issue? We want to think it's sex. Sex is important because they have 20 times the amount of testosterone. But even ahead of that, it's usually production. Mm-hmm. In the times of his tribe, let's go back 4,000 years ago, if that man wanted to be valuable to the tribe, they said, he can slay the deer. He can put up a lean-to and protect us from the rain. He can produce. Oh, isn't he wonderful? When your daughter brings a man home and he says to Danny, I'd like to marry my your daughter, and one son says... Well, I live in my mom's house. I'm 32 years of age, and I've never really worked, but I'm pretty good at video games. Yeah. And the other kid comes in and says, well, I started my own business when I was 20. I sold it for about $11 million. I'm now 28, (laughs) and I'm doing well, uh, but I still have this job, this job, this job. Which one would you be more inclined to say, marry my daughter? The second one. The productive one. All right. What is this man's production? A work that's been handed through the family. Tradition, 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 tradition. So what's probably the major core issue for that guy? Uh, production. His production. The work that he does that has given him value since he started working there when he was probably t- six years of age and is still doing it. And it's who he is and it's his identity and everything. So, But she says, I don't want to divorce him. I want to stay with him with the kids. So you sit down with him and say, is there something he can figure out that will bring him just as much feelings of production that isn't running the family's business? Maybe not. Or maybe helping him find, I know how important it is. I'm going to love you whichever way you go. And the biggest key, what you said a minute ago, she's going to do his part. Who has to carry his box? He does. Who has to carry hers? She does. Oh, wait. No. Didn't she say he's supposed to be doing this so she can be happy? Well, I tend to believe you can fix anything, anything, but you have to negotiate. Her, these are some needs that I have. These are some needs he has. It might be, but she's not aware of his needs. Maybe it's this, this, and this because women's needs are totally different than men's and men's needs as well. I, what do you mean? I'm beating you, aren't I? What, what else do I need to do? He's working himself to death. This is her husband that she loves. Well, then leave him. Let him work himself to death. Or sit down with him and say, we, we can negotiate this. Let's work this together. Let's not do this or do this. Let's see if we can work this out together. One of the things that I do when I'm doing marital therapy, I say, okay, that part of you 
that hates the farm, okay? I'd like you to hate it really bad, okay? And I'd like, and I say to him, and that part leaving the farm, I want you to really hate that, okay? Now, is there any part of you that could possibly say microscopically inside of you, a part of you that could love the farm? No, I know. So I'd like you to call the part that hates the farm black, and we're going to call the part that you can't even see it. We're going to give it a little tint. There might be a microscopic part that recognizes this might be a good thing. Then to him, I say the same thing. Let's call it your black and pink. Your wife wants the farm out. We'll call that black. We'll call your staying, staying at the farm, keeping it as pink. He might even agree a little bit. Now, go inside your head and ask your pink and black. First of all, say to your pink, I'm not going to destroy you. I'm not going to destroy you. Black, I'm not going to destroy you. I'm not going to destroy you. Now, pink and black, what I'd like to ask you to do, could you negotiate? You Can you her, negotiate, yeah. Would she say yes or would she say no? I think she'd say yes. Well, that's good. Play it harder. Say no. No. Okay. Now, I'd like you to say, do you have any part of you, Mom, that's ever been creative? What? You ever created anything? Uh, I don't know. Did you ever do finger paint when you were in kindergarten? <laughs> yeah. Okay, first grade. And did you remember taking it home when your mom put it on the fridge? Yeah. Were you proud of that little picture you did? Or maybe you learned to play the piano, or maybe you sewed something, or maybe you you, you put on a perfect blouse. Look, my hair looks good. What do you think? I'm looking like a hobby tonight. Ooh, 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 ooh. You did something that was very creative. Is that right? Okay, we'll call that green. Now, would you put green between pink and black? And now ask your black and pink and green to work inside of you to see if they can create another way of viewing things. And then we do the same thing with him. and say, we'll talk in two weeks. See how your team works. It's amazing when both parts that have tried, what have they been doing for 20 years? Kill each other. Today, you just said, I'm not going to let black destroy pink. And I'm not going to let pink destroy black. Mm -hmm. They're too vitally important. I love my husband. I don't want to lose him. So I'm going to have to invent pink and bring creativity into it. Okay, now we have three parts working together. Now I'll ask you, if black and pink are now, they don't, they don't get to kill each other. But green's in there. The part of you that did the creative stuff that you did when you were six or last year when you put your hair up nice, you were looking good, whatever. Do you think they could work as a team then? What do you think? Mm -hmm. And now you've got a team where oh, it's not him fixing, it's you fixing your stuff and him fixing his stuff. And once he fixed his stuff and he fixed his stuff, you could actually understand a little bit in your pink of your dad's black? Huh. And I can actually understand my, I hate my wife. But if he <laughs> can get those two parts working inside him and those two parts working inside of her, then you can negotiate. That's, that's just one of a hundred ways you can do it. That's why I say you can always fix it. You really can. Yeah. Now, I also very strong and encourage people to get into their faith, their religion, because these, this is one, two, three. Number one, it's the greatest gift next to life agency thank you number two the greatest commandment love love god neighbor and self, self. he's got to love himself doesn't he and love his wife then love god okay and she needs to love herself and yes. what's number three uh the faith. greatest promise uh, i forgot he said craig <laughs> no matter whether you're a drunk oh or you're stupid or an idiot i will always always, always love you love so it's the greatest gift, 
commandment. Greatest commandment and the greatest promise. Promise. Yeah. I know. People don't believe that promise. Yeah, I know. Because they expecting him to rescue him until you finally, you get old and you realize, oh my heck, he's been with me the whole time. Remember, I left him when I was well, about Well, and he, people think they that he leaves you if you're doing what you're not supposed to be doing. <laughs> never leaves yeah you might not hear him as closely but now, let, 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 we can go there for an hour but let me go here for just a minute okay <laughs> a kid comes to see me he comes home from his mission early he comes home and he starts snorting cocaine and getting crazy again and the, the parents brought him in to see me and i said okay come on in and and we talked about i said you went on a mission is that right he says yeah well, did I said to me, when I was uh, 15, uh, raised in hell, did I feel like God loved me? No. When I was 25, drinking like hell crazy, did I feel like God loved me? No. But then when I was 30, they asked me to teach at Sunday school these little primary kids. And I said, you little twits, I want you to know something. I read this in Romans, uh, that no matter what, he'll never stop love. So even if you rob a bank or you steal stuff or you're drunk or anything, God still loves you. He will never, ever, 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 ever stop loving you. And that's when my life changed because I realized, oh, my heck, even if my mom and dad hate me, he loves me. Whoa. <sighs> well, that's what I tell people. When you know that you're loved, no matter what, it's amazing. Well, guess what? When I know God loves me, does that help fill my cup? Mm-hmm. When my cup is full, do I need to keep drinking? No. I don't. Now, let's go to this kid. He comes home, and so he went out with his friends and said, Hey, I talked to the Berthold man. He says, God loves us no matter what. We can party all night long. So they keep partying. And he comes back to see me. He says, Well, God loves me. We can keep doing that. I said, Yeah. But if you had a child, you know, one day you want to have children? Yeah. And we're sitting out on the lawn, and your kid heads out for the street. You're going to say, He has his agency. I love him. He can head for the street. Big diesels are coming. What are you going to do? Well, I'm going to go get him. What if he gives you one of these, waves his nose at you? And I'm not going, you're going to go yell at him and say, get your butt over here. What are you doing? What would you do? Yeah, I'd go, I'd yell at him. Why? Why? Because I love him. Oh, wait. So you do it because you love him. So did God say to me, Craig, I love you no matter what. Mm -hmm. And you go ahead and keep drinking all you want. I'll still love you. Or did he say, Craig, I'll love you forever. And you can go ahead and keep drinking if you want to, because I'll still love you. But you dumb twit, you ought to quit drinking. It's not good for you. You think I'm telling you this to give you a bad time? Or everything I've ever told you, is it to tell you, let's see if you measure up and become a great son for me. Did you pass the test? Let's see if you, oh, no, you did. Or, Or is he saying, everything I've ever told you, Craig, is because I love your butt. Everything. Not trying to see if you passed the test or you're successful at this or you did this. I, everything I ever tell you is out of my love for you. Quit drinking beer, you idiot. It's not good for you. Your wife's left you already a couple of times. You better straighten up your act. You're going to lose your family. You need to knock this crap off because I love you. Whoa. So everything God tells me, isn't he just trying to manipulate me and control me? And and Lucifer says, oh, I'm captive to him. You better do that. You're in trouble. You're captive. No. He says, well, of course you're going to get in the deep doo-doo if you keep doing the stupid stuff. I'm telling you that not to trap you and make you captive. You better stop doing it. I'll make you captive. That's what Lucifer says. He comes along and says, my job is to make you captive. (laughs) I'll make you captive to God's stuff. And you're going to captive. And now everybody's leaving churches left and right because the church is all about making people captive. Jeez, I want to slap him and say, 
Why do you tell your kids to do that? Trying to, I'm making my kid look like they're wonderful, make me a wonderful parent because look how they obey me. So it proves that I'm a good mother. <laughs> how many parents raise their kids that way? A yeah, lot. Yeah. But some of them finally figure it out and realize, I'm telling my kid to stay out of the street because I love him. Yeah. God would never tell us anything just to see if we pass the Yeah. Test. He's telling us everything because he adores, cherishes, wants the best for us. He knows how painful this life is. Yeah. All right. I, I, All right. I get down that path. Thank pathway. you. We'll, that we'll, was we'll, great. You know how I get a little goofy on that. That's okay. why you're wearing the t-shirt. That's Jesus why I'm wearing shirt. the t-shirt. All right. Thank you all for listening. Um, hopefully we'll get you another one before uh, Christmas. And anything else? No. There's a couple other things. That, yeah, no, but we're, I think we've done okay. enough on this one. All right. Have a great one. Talk to you later, everyone. Probably went too long. They might want to shut it off after 10 minutes. That's but. fine. Shut it off now. <laughs> okay. Bye. Okay, bye.